Thanks for listening to another episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Transitioning from a career in the military to a government contractor job has become very popular among veterans. Because of the similarities in jobs and environments, the transition to a government contractor job could be less stressful than leading a corporate position in an entirely different industry. Orion has worked with many of the top companies in this field, including General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman, McKesson, BAE Systems, Lewis Berger, and Honeywell. In this episode, I'm joined by Isabel Jesse, a Navy and Air Force veteran, former contractor with Macaulay Brown, and now a recruiter with Orion. Isabel shares her experience working with a government contractor as well as her perspective as a recruiter finding jobs for candidates in this type of role. If you've ever been curious about a government contracting role, make sure you listen to this episode to hear Isabel's story, learn more about the pros and cons, types of positions, pay compared to other jobs, and more. If you have any questions about this podcast or if you'd like to hear about job opportunities through Orion, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Isabel, hi, welcome to the show. It's your first podcast, so I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, so you know, you're kind of the subject matter expert on the topic that we're going to talk about today, especially within Orion. And I thought it would be a good topic to cover for the podcast because I think recently we've had a lot more of these types of positions and companies that are seeking contract work um, that have come up lately. And it's something that it seems like veterans are generally interested in, maybe even more than the civilian workforce. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, contracting positions, what are some of the pros and cons, your personal experience and things like that. But before we get into it, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. And like everything you said is spot on. Um, a lot of people do get out of the military and they kind of still want to do that military environment. So that's why I think it's a little more interesting to veterans when they get out. But as far as my uh, military experience, um, I'd say it's a little more diverse than most. I did four years active duty Navy. I joined when I was 18 and I only had the ability to pick at a certain rate. So um, I went aviation mechanic, completed a school and went to a helicopter squadron did that for two years and then I did an F-18 squadron. I deployed on the Bush, which at the time was a brand new carrier, very exciting for everybody. Um, I was coming close to my four years and I was trying to go to a different job like environment. Didn't want to be on a flight line anymore. So um, I called up the Air Force and I did six years as a Navy, as an Air Force reservist um, in the intelligence realm. So definitely very different, you know, going from a flight line to intelligence. Um, But yeah, then I separated this past April after six years. So that was 10 year total service, both Navy and Air Force. Yeah, that is cool. And like you said, it is a different background. So Mm -hmm. just curious, Isabel, is there, what was it that made you want to join the military? Do you have family history of it? Or is it something that you thought, you know, it'll just give you that experience that you want, like life experience, job experience? Was there anything in particular that made you want to join the Navy? Um, so no family history of military at all. Um, I was actually not born in the U.S. I was born in Cuba. So my family moved here and we just didn't have the money for college. So I joined the Navy, you know, for that, like, hey, I'll do four years and then I can pay my own way through college and kind of just made in my life instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, getting out after four. 
Yeah, that's very cool. And then, you know, you obviously now work here at Orion as a recruiter. So Mm -hmm. how did that kind of come about? So you went from flight line to intelligence to recruiter. So how did that kind of happen? Um, So as we'll discuss, you know, as we get more into contracting, sometimes contracting can be a little unstable. Um, I had done it for five, going on five years when I sort of made the decision that I didn't want to continue kind of just hopping around from location to location. I wanted to find something a little more stable. And I had some friends that worked here at Orion. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, so I'm looking for a position in the civilian world that doesn't have anything to do with government contracting or anything. Um, Not that it's a bad place to be, but it just wasn't the right thing for my family anymore. And it worked out. You know, I met with Tony and it worked out. It just, I liked it here. (laughs) Orion's great. Yeah, that's awesome. So like you said, we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail, but you have personal experience with a contract role. So can you talk a little bit about um, kind of how you got into that, what you were doing, and just, you know, I guess give us really a background of your experience overall. Okay. So um, in my field, like I said, in intelligence, it's very common to contract. Contracts are all over in the Middle East and they don't deploy until personnel as much as they do other career fields um, because there is so many contracted roles. And I was definitely eager to get the experience and deploy. So after I completed all the required training and all that, as far as qualifications with my unit, um, I wanted a more operational role. So I found a contract that would give me that in exactly the kind of unit that I wanted. So I took a position with Macaulay Brown and I did that for a little bit, got all my qualifications there. And you know, part of contracting is that they know that once you're qualified and you're more valuable, you're, you can find more opportunities with other companies that have you know, the exact fit or like more money or whatever the particular situation. So after I got all my qualifications down in Harbor Field, I took a position with Booz Allen here at Langley Air Force Base, got my qualifications there, and then took a position overseas in Afghanistan. So definitely um it's they understand that in contracting people are just constantly trying to move to where they want to be mhm how long was your contract role uh 4 years total okay but, um, very cool like i yeah like i said different companies and my overseas one was i was there for 10 months and I think, I don't know, you may have mentioned this earlier when you were talking about your military background in your time mm-hmm. with the Navy and the Air Force, were you deployed during that time as well? Or was this something completely new to you? No, I was deployed with the Navy, um, but obviously a different environment. So we're talking, you're in the Middle East, you're in Afghanistan, you're in a base there. And then with the Navy, you're on a carrier, mm-hmm. so different kinds of deployments. But yeah, I, had, I deployed with both environments. Yeah, I mean, just from a personal experience, how was that for you? I mean, was it a lot different? I mean, I know it was different in terms of like your location, but um, do you find that, you know, for someone who was maybe in the army and deployed to Afghanistan, it would be like an easier transition? Um, it It is a little bit of an easier transition, but it's definitely a hard adjustment to see the difference between like, this is an active duty member deploying and this is a contractor deploying. There is a little Mm -hmm. bit of a difference there. Yeah, definitely. 
yeah, the expectations are different for the two of them. So overall, would you say, I know, you know, that contracting life is not necessarily for you anymore. You are looking for something different, but I mean, do you kind of look back on that experience as something that you're glad that you did for the experience and it's something that you recommend to candidates depending on, you know, their life situation, if it, if it fits into their, um, you know, family and things like that? Oh, I, I absolutely love what contracting provided me as far as experience. Like I said, the money was also really, really great. So provided opportunities. Um, so yeah, any chance that anybody is even slightly interested, you know, we kind of go through that discussion, like, okay, so what, you know, what is going on here and what do you want it to do for you and that sort of thing. But I definitely recommend it every chance I get. I have friends that call me all the time with the same, like, hey, I know you contracted overseas. Like, what should I expect? What, you know, what should I do to make sure that while I'm over there, I'm not worried about stuff here. And mm -hmm. I always say, you know, mm -hmm. as long as all your stuff here is lined up well, and you have somebody that's able to take care of the stuff that's going to need, you know, taken care of here, if you have like a house or anything like that, absolutely take the opportunity and go overseas at least once. And I know one of the considerations for people who are looking for jobs, especially, um, you know, if they're geographically locked to, let's just say the, you know, South Central or the Midwest or whatever the case may be, do you think that these types of positions generally lend themselves better to people who maybe don't have family ties or anything that's necessarily keeping them in the U.S.? Or do you find that a lot of candidates are usually open to it regardless of their um, background and, I guess, you know, their marital status and things like that? No, I, I find that you see people in all different stages of life find um, the ability to go overseas. You know, I've, I've seen people that are overseas for five years because they have a state, you know, they have their wife and kids that like in the Midwest, for example. So going overseas is where the opportunities that they qualify for are as to where maybe they couldn't necessarily get those same positions in like Oklahoma, let's say, or, you know, the, you said the Midwest. So if they're there, mm -hmm. there's not the opportunities that they qualify for there, but if they take a position overseas and they're on like a rotational basis, they do three months overseas and then they come home for a month and then they go overseas for three months. So it's, and then there is that young, newly separated person who doesn't have the family back home. So they are able to do anything and overseas is where they want to go. So I, I see it work in both situations or in any situation. It's just a personal choice more than anything. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned at the beginning, I think that we definitely have always done these types of positions and supported companies that are looking for veterans to fill these roles. It seems like there's been kind of an uptick lately, and we've had a lot of clients that um, have needs that are coming up that we're helping them staff for these contract positions. But do you think that, you know, military candidates are sought after for these types of roles just because companies know, you know, a lot of them have been deployed already? It's probably something that they're going to be more open to than the civilian population or do you think that there are any other reasons that veterans are sought after for roles like this so i think it's a for one they already have exact you know exact matching qualification wise and they're familiar with the instructions and operations um but also you're going to be working side by side by military you know active duty so knowing rank structure and knowing procedures of like running your request and everything like that, that has something to do with it. Your clearances are already there. Um, your qualifications are 
more closely matched. I, I, it would be hard for a person with just a civilian background to know, you know, how SC-17 operates in a deployed environment or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. yes, it's mm -hmm. definitely qualifications, experience, they've already deployed, and they also have, you know, the knowledge of how to operate in a, a hazardous duty environment as to where a civilian might be a little more hesitant to do that. And speaking of hesitancy, I think that there are a lot of people that are transitioning out of the military that are hesitant to jump into the civilian world because they're thinking, you know, where do I fit? Where do my qualifications fit? And I don't know if this is, if this played into your decision to take a contracting role, but I think that that's probably a big part for military is that, you know, you're leaving the military, you've got all these unknowns and all these things that are going to change. It's almost like this is kind of a stepping stone or like the first step that you take to get out of the military where you're still kind of like one foot in, one foot out. You're still in that environment. And um, I guess it's a little bit more comfortable than completely, you know, jumping out of it and going to do something different. So I don't know if that played into it for you or if you think that that's a factor for candidates, but it seems like it would be based on just what you said. Oh, no, that absolutely played or had everything to do with my decision. Even when I separated from active duty, I was like, well, I'm not ready to not be military. I'm not ready to go full on civilian. So that's why the reserves was such a great option at the time. And then when, you know, my active duty term with the reserve side finished, I was like, well, I really don't want my skill set to just go not like waste not to say that a traditional reserve is skill set going to waste but I wasn't ready to not put it to use in an operational environment so I seeked out the next best the next best thing like where can I still work side by side with that active duty member and contracting was definitely it so yeah mm -hmm. everything to do with I was not ready to not you know <laughs> not be somehow tied and linked with the military mission yeah exactly so um, Isabel, one of the things that you said earlier was um, when you were talking about the things that this that that type of position afforded you, you did mention the pay. So I want to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about some of the pros of government contract work, um, because I know that there are several. So from your experience, what you thought some of the pros were, and then just from talking to candidates and things that you try to tell them in order to um, kind of get them to see like, you know, why this would be a good position. So can you talk through some of those? So um, I think the pros and cons us with anything a lot to do with personal, but for me, some of the pros were the ability to continue doing, you know, that mission side by side with those active duty members for sure. Um, you're still in real world operations, so your skill set is staying current. You're still, you know, involved in everyday events and all that. So in my field, that's very important. So not letting your qualifications and skills kind of go to like be antiquated kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, at the pay, yes, contracts do pay very well, um, especially when I first started, you know, like the Afghan and the Iraq conflicts were a little more at their height. So the pay was even better then. Um, they do support a lot of veteran and small business type designations. So that to me was really important because it gives, you know, those people coming out of the military that want to start their own businesses or anything like that, a great opportunity because the government has assigned a certain level of um, contracts to go to those businesses. Um, so that's, those to me were some of the more important ones. Well, and then, you know, of course, with the pros, there's always the cons and, um, just personally, we work together on an account, and I won't, I won't say the name of it because I don't think it's um, unique to this particular 
client. I think that this is kind of the case with a lot of clients where with government contracting, things move a little bit slower. And so if you're a job seeker and you're applying for a role, you might think that you're going to start on this date and then it keeps getting pushed back. So I, I know just from my perspective, that would definitely be something that might, you know, make someone think like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't for me. But um, what are some of the other cons and really just things that people should keep in mind if they're, you know, serious about pursuing an opportunity like this? Okay. So what you said definitely makes a lot of sense as far as like, it is a little slow. Um, and most people coming out of the military understand everything in the military moves a little slower with that government contracts and like the way they pay their contracts is probably a little slow. So the company can't do much until that contract is paid and that's just part of it. So yes, there's definitely a lot of delays and a lot of that like hurry up and wait um, that we mm -hmm. experience in the military. And then another huge con for me was just stability. Like your contract can end or you can be fired at any time um, just because um, contractors don't fall under the same like employment regulations so they don't have to give you like a crazy explanation or anything as to why you know now they need less 10 less people like that just happens and so the stability for somebody you know that's just coming out of the military and doesn't want that like that would probably be one concern um, you also have well, my huge recommendation when any friend of mine says they're going to go contract overseas or anything is read your offer letter make sure that you fully understand, you know, how your pay is going to work because pay di like, is different when you're stateside while you're getting training and then you get overseas and like it's supposed to change or anything like that. Just, I always say, read that letter over and over again and make sure that, you know, any stipulations that you come across, you fully understand. Um, also, you're on a military timeline. So with that, I mean, the logistics are still military-based. So if you're going to go overseas, um, you're going to stop in four or five different bases, so you're not going to get there tomorrow. So, like, if you want to be somewhere by, like, February, you need to plan accordingly. And when it's time to come home, same thing. You know, military aircraft goes to different bases. It, it, they break. It just happens. It's how it was when you're active duty, and it's going to be the same way when you're a contractor because you're still on that military timeline. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot so of the things that you said... Isabel, it seems it sounds like from a lot of the things that you said is that um, it it's really similar to the military that in terms of like the hurry up and wait um, things taking a little bit longer than you think they're going to. So it sounds like really for veterans and for people who would be considering these types of opportunities, it's probably not something that is completely out of the norm versus someone who comes from a civilian background that's expecting things to happen more quickly. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when people say or ask, like you did, why is it so much more valuable for a company to be, you know, to have a military member? And that's why, because they don't have to explain those same things to a military member that they would have to explain and kind of deal with when it's a civilian person doing that kind of mm -hmm. position. Yeah, definitely. In light of the fact that, you know, things can get pushed back and it can take a little bit longer, um, do you recommend, you know, job seekers then if they're, curious about a type of role like this to start researching it earlier in their transition or any tips for kind of overcoming that or is it really just go with the flow and if you want to do it you just kind of have to roll with the punches um i'd say there's no really way to prepare for it if you haven't done it before if you haven't deployed before there's no particular way that like you can i mean you can 
walk through the logistics with somebody else that's done it and see, but it'll take some kind of just going with the flow and learning to adapt and kind of staying calm and understanding that even those people that you're facing don't have the control. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds kind of just from what you're saying, it sounds kind of like, you know, if you're the type of person that is in the military and you're just itching to get out because you need something different, you need a different change of pace, you want a, you know, different scenery, it seems like this type of role probably isn't for you. But if you're someone who enjoys your time in the military and you enjoy currently, you know, kind of what you're doing and you, you know, you want, you want something a little bit different, but you're good with that same type of environment than it is for you. So it kind of is just a person to person, what do you want to do type of thing. And that's something that obviously as a recruiter, you're always encouraging your candidates to, you know, figure that out first step before they even start looking at opportunities is just, you know, figure out what it is that they want to do in terms of what motivates them, what's important to them and things like that. Yeah. One of my first questions when somebody says, Hey, I'm getting out of the military. I was thinking of contracting. I always ask, well, why were you getting out of the military? What was Mm -hmm. your reason? And if your reason was like, well, I don't like rules and I don't like chains of commands and all that stuff, like, well, then probably contracting is not going to be what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Find the reason why they got out or find the reason why you're getting out and then go from there as far as contracting goes. No, you're very right because, like you (laughs) said earlier, for you it was a good fit because um, it was kind of that half step out where it's like, okay, you're going to be doing something different, but you're still going to be in that environment. So Mm -hmm. I think for candidates that maybe don't want to do a full dive out of the military, but yet they're not crazy about being in the military, um, you almost just have to say, okay, I know you think this is what you want to do, but it's probably not the best fit based on what you just told me. Yep, exactly. So just figure out why you're getting out of the military and then go from there. Mm-hmm. So what are a few of the common qualifications? I mean, I'm sure that they vary based on the company and type of position and things like that. But um, you had mentioned earlier security clearance. So is there mm-hmm. anything that um, for anyone who's listening to this that, you know, is interested in this type of role, say it's someone who's fresh off of active duty, maybe it's someone who's been off of active duty for several years. Is there anything that they should know about some of the common qualifications for positions like this? Well, you're just going to have... Um, a pre-deployment screening, so your health definitely going to be concern number one for any company that sends you overseas. They can't send you overseas if you're not physically qualified to be there. Um, to like as you mentioned, security clearance. So if you're just getting out of the military, usually you're you know you're good. But if you've been out for a little while, you might want to check on what where your clearance stands, especially if you had like a TS or anything like that before. It might be down to like a secret. Um, so just, you know, find a way to check on that. Um, and then if your position that you were applying for required any specific qualifications, make sure that those qualifications or those licenses are still good so that when you go overseas, you're operational and not like having to train and stuff like that. Or if you need that training, just get it before you go. Um, those are like three of the major things I can think for as far as qualifications, certifications overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are good. And then in terms of the companies that we currently work with, I know you do a lot of work with these companies. So can you give us kind of a snapshot of, you know, not only the companies, but what are the most 
um, frequently recruited for positions that you work for. So for us, the ones that we're currently working are like power plant managers, fuel managers, air transportation specialists, so a lot of log tab contract type of roles, um, power plant um, mechanics or diesel mechanics, um, fuel specialists, uh, just some of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And as far as companies we're working with Woosberger because they are um, currently a contract awardee for the lock up contract I mentioned. So those are some we are working on. As of course, there's a lot of different kind of positions that um, other companies recruit for. I know there's Intel contracts and I know there's cybersecurity contracts and I know there's IT contracts. So just go out there and do your research and see what um, type of position that person wants and who has that contract and we can go from there. And then in terms of the locations, I know you've mentioned the Middle East. Are there any other locations that you're currently recruiting for for these types of roles or is that kind of our main focus area currently? Currently it's the Middle East that we did do a few months ago. We did have some in Korea, but for right now most of it is the Middle East. Okay. Um, yeah, because I know the one that we're working on currently together, that one's more focused in the Middle East, so I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And then, too, with people who are, you know, obviously most of our 9-11 veterans, they've been on active duty and deployments in the Middle East, so it's kind of getting back to that area versus going somewhere entirely new. But I'm sure that, you know, as the the climate changes, it'll be a little bit different, but that's good to know for now. What would you say is the ideal type of candidate for a contractor overseas opportunity? So you as a recruiter, what do you look for specifically? If someone calls you up and says they're interested, you said you asked the one question, why, you know, why did you want to get out of the military? But is there something that stands out to you about candidates that you think makes them a good fit that kind of makes the light bulb go off in your head like, oh, this is someone that I definitely think is going to be great for this type of role? One thing that I always look for, especially in a contractor, is that they're a team player. Um, and that's because when you're out there, you're not a military member, so you have to kind of rely on those other people that you're working with. Um, also that you have the knowledge and experience in the position you're, it's not like you could be slightly qualified because you're going to be like in a lot of places, you're going to be that to me, you're going to be that, that expert, and that's what they expect because you're supposed to be very self-motivated, you're not going to have somebody micromanaging, you're, you're in, a, in a place where things move fast, things change fast, so you have to be somebody who isn't going to hesitate, isn't going to, um, you know, doubt yourself or doubt, like, the training that you have or anything like that, so confidence is definitely also a big key there. Awesome. Well, Isabel, thank you again for providing so much insight, both from your own personal experience as a contractor, but also as a recruiter and, you know, working with candidates on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'll make sure to include some of the companies that we work with for these types of roles in case anyone's interested in, um, you know, going and learning more about it or even talking to you about it to learn more about the opportunities. But again, thank you very much for joining. And I hope this was helpful for anyone who maybe doesn't know too much about these types of roles. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.